I think it's just really a good example of having an estate plan that's really thought out and discussed with the other beneficiaries in advance to try to avoid some of those potential pitfalls. It's usually coming down more to family and preference of the, of the property, I think, at the end of the day. Welcome to the All Things Retirement Podcast with certified financial planner, Anthony Alpha. Here's your host, Ben George. Well, glad to have you back on All Things Retirement. We got a good show planned today. Got a lot to get to. Got some headlines. We want to talk about some mailbag questions we're going to dive into. And then all of our attention is going to be placed on the house, real estate, how the house kind of fits into your retirement plan, interest rates, rental properties, kind of all the questions that involve housing. We're going to talk about it here on the show. I'm Ben George. He's Anthony Alfo, certified financial planner and founder at Cardinal Wealth Group. Anthony, good to talk to you again. Yeah, great to be here, Ben. How's everything going? Everything's good. I know we talk about our, our little girls a lot. We just, I just had my my little girl's first birthday party, you know, the old quarantine birthday party, but it was a lot of fun and, and a really cool experience. I know you went through it recently, so I know you can mm-hmm. relate to it, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, we're just a little bit uh, ahead of you. Rosie's uh, 15 months, so right now she's just running around, climbing the steps, looking for the most dangerous things to do. So it's a, it's a fun <laughs> fun time. Keeps you on your toes. Yeah, it's a fun age and it's uh it, it it'll wear you out, but it's it's been a lot of fun and uh just looking forward to hopefully our second birthday party will involve some friends and, and a few more people. But you make the, we're all making the best out of uh, out of this year that we can. So uh it's been a lot of fun. But I want to get to a couple things uh, with you today and and before we do that, let me point you to Anthony's website cardinalwg.com. You can find a lot of information on 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 financial planning, retirement planning, but also you can find all of our podcasts right there on the website as well cardinalwg.com. And if you have any questions about what we talk about today, feel free to call Anthony directly as well 609-605-2808. You know, one one thing that I've noticed and and I think a lot of people have been talking about this year in terms of the news, and there's been a lot of impact of the coronavirus, but you know, I, I think real estate, as we're talking about this today, this this report came across you know in front of me, and I kind of caught my attention. But a recent report showed a, a huge number of vacancies in Manhattan apartments, while rental demand in New York suburbs has more than doubled compared to this time last year. Do you think this is a, a long term trend that we're going to see, or is this just a short term reaction to everything that's happened in 2020? You know, that's a great question, and I think we'll kind of have to wait and see, but. When I talk to a lot of realtors recently, they're telling that a lot of people are just moving out of the city and prices are kind of going nuts in the suburbs and houses are going really fast. And I think that if you think about what's been going on for the last, call it nine months or so, and if you're a family of four and you're in the city, you might kind of start to feel a little trapped, almost like a, a large prison cell in a lot of ways. And maybe if you've been scratching your head for some time, thinking this could be a good time for a change and to get out of the city at this point to look for some greener grass and a little bit more space. And I think that a lot of the cities, certainly places like Manhattan, Philly, Chicago, cities like that for sure, probably have had a pretty good run up in prices too, where the family might be thinking this might be a good time to also kind of get out of it with a little bit of profit as well. And I think that between that and what's going on with COVID, I think that, you know, obviously is probably leading to it. And whether or not that that's something for the long run or not, I think it remains to be seen. But I find it hard to believe that places like New York, Philly, Chicago, and, and many other cities, that people aren't not going to want to be in there forever. And so I guess we'll just have to wait and see what happens there. 
Yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of a balance. You got a number of people that realize they can work, you know, remotely and get more out of their money. But there's also something about living in a city like that and having the access to restaurants and entertainment and everything else that you just can't replicate by living, you know, in the suburbs. So I think there will be a balance. And, and you know what else you see a little bit on the retirement side is that you a lot of retirees are actually moving back into the city huh. because they can downsize to an apartment that's manageable, but then they also have all these things to do in the city. And you're seeing a lot of, of at least our clients, we're right outside of Philadelphia, selling their, their home and moving into the city where I think a family of one or two kids are probably looking at and say, you know, it might be a good time to finally get out of here at this point. Yeah, that's a good point. I, something I hadn't really thought about a bit, but maybe this is a good chance for a lot of people that are retired. Maybe if, if housing has come down in the cities as they want to take advantage of that, it could be something to talk about. But, you know, it's a perfect headline to get us into our conversation about real estate and about our home, because, you know, this is something that a lot of people kind of have to balance and, and, and plan for and, and how their home and, and their mortgage fits into their overall retirement plan, because it is, for many people, the largest asset that they're going to own over the course of their life. And there's a lot of questions that come with it. So from downsizing, as we've talked about, to rental properties, to interest rates, we're going to explore some of those top retirement questions as it relates to all things housing. And, you know, one, I think that the, the big question for a lot of people is, you know, carrying that that mortgage into retirement? Do I need to have that debt? You know, should I pay off the house as soon as possible? But right now, interest rates are so low that you know you could enjoy those low interest rates and pay it off really slowly. Where do you stand on that side? Is it is it best to pay it off as soon as possible, or you know, to continue paying it down slowly? I don't really have a preference, and we can always put it into some type of software and compare the differences of paying it off versus uh, continuing on the payment schedule and looking at the kind of pros and cons there and where the money would come from to pay it off. I really think it goes to the clients. And we have a lot of clients who come in and say, I hate that, or I don't want to retire until I'm paid off all my debt. And let's put a plan together to make sure that I pay down my car, I want to pay down my house so that I can go into retirement with no debt. And then we have some clients who say, I've always had some type of debt with my mortgage or car payments. It's, it's just a part of my constant spend. And I'm going to continue in retirement this way. So, you know, that work it into the budget. And I think that you can also want to look at some mathematical things at the end of the day, as you brought up. This is a really low interest rate environment. So you might not be getting too hurt. It's not like you're probably having a 10 or 15% mortgage like you might have in the, in the 80s or something like that. Is it a fixed mortgage right, versus a variable where a variable maybe you can get a little bit hurt if it balloons on you? And is it a HELOC? You know, So you might be having a little bit of debt there because you're using it to do some type of home upgrades or just have some access to cash. And so it might not make sense to pay it all down because that might shut it out. So those are some other things that you might want to think about and consider. Are you filing a standard deduction uh, versus an itemized? And you know, do you have like 20 years remaining or do you have like five years remaining? Because if it's 20, it's probably going to, and you're retiring shortly, it's probably going to be pretty tough or stressful to try to pay off 20 years of a mortgage versus if you're somebody who's only got five years or something like that left, where it might be a little bit easier to get that paid off. So I think those are some of the things that you would consider. But I, ultimately, I think it kind of goes back to the, the individual too. 
So a lot of factors to, to weigh into that decision, but you know, there, it could be, it could work both ways depending on what you're comfortable with and, and how the numbers work out. Yeah. And if you haven't done a refi and you're still working and you're paying maybe four, five, 6% on your mortgage, it might be a good time to th- think about refining for either a lower rate or a um, better payment option to get it paid off. And that's something that you probably want to do before you retire, because a lot of times they're going to look at the financials of your income at this at this point. So that might be one other thing if you haven't done so already to look and see if it makes sense to refi. Usually it doesn't cost you much to, to talk to a, a mortgage person or a bank to give you some options and what the differences would be the be there. Yeah, good thing to consider before retirement. You know, we talked about this a little bit, but you know, more people moving back into the cities, as you said, in retirement because they want a smaller place. And you know, whether it is you know, a smaller place because your kids have moved out and you don't, you don't need all the space, or you're just tired of cleaning, or whatever it is, or maybe you want to just pay off your mortgage so you get a smaller place and pay it off uh, right away. You know, downsizing is a common consideration for a lot of people. Do you think it's wise for people to down downsize in retirement? Well, I I think that if you Thinking about my mom for a second, she's kind of going through that process now. We have that; she has the house that all three of our of our kids grew up in. It's a uh, probably three thousand square foot. It's it's a lot to handle. Where you have uh, upstairs and downstairs and multiple systems there for heating and air conditioning to kind of deal with from an overhead standpoint. So it's it's a lot of house to maintain while you're by yourself. So I think a lot of times downsizing does make some sense to loosen up or relieve some of the responsibilities, get it down to maybe a one-level housing so you don't have to deal with with steps. But then sometimes you have places, and and this kind of goes back to my mom as well, where she likes having the kids over, and now it'll be grandkids over. So you have more rooms where people can stay there, stay over, and if you downsize and are down to one or or a two-bedroom place, it's going to be hard to handle two, three, four grandchildren and things like that. So I think that kind of plays a little bit of a role in it. And on top of that, when you're talking about New Jersey, if it's downsizing from a financial standpoint to put, say, money in your pocket or or lessen the overhead cost of maintaining a place, that's a hard thing to really do here. And it might be a little bit easier in some other states. But if you're looking at a house where you have a $300,000 home, it's pretty difficult to, to downsize anymore and really save much. Plus, we have a kind of a, a state that has higher property taxes. So it's really tough to find some savings to put in your pocket. In New Jersey, you'd really have to probably look at a different state in order to get a financial downsize where you might go down south towards Delaware, North, South Carolina, Florida, something like that, where the cost of living is not only generally cheaper, but property taxes are less. And you can get a similar equivalent, nice home for less money. And so I think, yeah, a lot of those things have to go into it in terms of are you looking to downsize to put money in your pocket? Or is it just more of a making life easier from a responsibility upkeep standpoint? Yeah, I hadn't really thought about it, but yeah, it does make sense. And maybe not, not everybody has that option to downsize unless you make drastic changes in your lifestyle uh, or in where you live. So uh, one other consideration to make when you're 
deciding that. You know, rental properties are another aspect of housing that uh, gets a lot of attention. And, you know, as people are trying to determine how to provide income in retirement, sometimes they, they lean towards that rental property idea. Where, where do you stand on, on rental properties? Do you think it's a good idea for people that, that want to generate additional income in retirement? I feel like the last three questions I keep saying it depends, but I think it depends again, where we have a client who recently came in last week that we did a, an updated analysis for their retirement plan, and they have a, a three rental properties that generate a lot of cash every month. They don't have any debt on the properties, expenses of overhead or low. And I, I told them this is this looks like a great deal that you have as long as you don't mind being a landlord, you know, continuously at this at this point. This can be a great way for some additional guaranteed income to put that together with your social security and and your they had a smaller pension as well. But I also had a conversation with somebody yesterday who's a client that is in more of a position that they want to know they don't want to be a landlord anymore. They just updated the property. They have debt on it, so they're not really extracting a lot of the cash flow that they could had the maybe the debt been paid off. But they have like six units at this place and you know it's a lot to be a landlord and and upkeep of the property so for them it's kind of more of a time to cash out and take that money and put it to use somewhere else to create an income so i think that's some of the things that you have to think about from a cash flow standpoint because if you're just using the place to get appreciation and you're not getting any money out of it, well, that doesn't really help you much for creating a retirement income. So I, I think understanding that when you net out all the expenses and can you get an income that's easier somewhere else via a, a bond or dividends or annuity or something like that, that might be a lot easier with, with no upkeep at the end of the day. So I like the idea. That's just a matter of putting it into the plan and seeing how it works out and, and what the client wants at the end of the day from it. Yeah. It seems like an area where you definitely need to know the numbers down to the details and, and yep. make sure it actually makes sense for you. All right. The last piece of the housing puzzle we want to get into today is the estate and legacy plan. What kind of complications have you seen for people that that try to make the real estate or their property or their home, whatever they, it is they own, part of their estate and legacy plan and pass it on to maybe their children or someone else that's close to them? When the beneficiary doesn't want anything to do with any property, they rather just have the money and now they got to take the inheritance and get this house or property to a sellable type of situation. Maybe it's, you know, been neglected for a little bit of time or they got to put money into it and it just takes some time to liquidate that and sell it. And, and it could be a year and a half or two. Now, I guess you could also be happy that you're getting some type of asset at the end of the day where maybe you, you wouldn't. I see that happen pretty often. And another thing that I see is when it's more of a, call it a vacation home that multiple beneficiaries are involved with, where maybe one wants the property and the other doesn't. And so the other might just want the money. And now the each beneficiary has to come to an agreement on a price of sale and how that's going to work. Or maybe you have two beneficiaries of the same property that want the vacation home and now they have to split time there and and that can also you know create some issues at times so i think it's just really a good example of having an estate plan that's really thought out and discussed with the other beneficiaries in advance to try to avoid some of those potential pitfalls and 
you know, I think those are kind of the main things that I, I would see at the at the end of the day from a problem standpoint. It's usually coming down more to family and preference of the of the property, I think, at the end of the day. So is this a spot where you would recommend to your clients to actually speak to whoever their beneficiaries are about the real estate and, and kind of have them determine whether or not they want that property or you know whether or not they should do something else with it before it's passed on? Absolutely. I think that communication makes it easier. And I know some people are kind of tight-lipped about their estate plans at the end of the day. But if it's something that's, it's one thing giving money or, or your IRA beneficiaries, you can just put it down to percentages and it's it's pretty standard. But something like a house is quite a bit of responsibility. And there's going to be some people who are really looking forward to it and other people who just kind of look at it as a uh, responsibility and another thing added on their plate to do and deal with. Gotcha. Well, look, if you if you have any questions about how your house fits into your plan, you know, contact Anthony, sit down with him, figure it out, you know, rental properties, whether or not you should get pay off your mortgage or maybe refinance or how does your home fit into your estate plan? These are all important questions and things that everybody kind of thinks about at some point as they're laying out their retirement and kind of figuring out how their house fits in. But you can connect with him online, cardinalwg.com or call him directly 609 609- 6052808. Let's get to the mailbag. Got a couple of questions today that we want to get to before we close out this episode of All Things Retirement. And let's start with Shelby. She says, I'm thinking that I'll spend a lot of money during the first few years of retirement and then a lot less after I've been retired for five years or so. Is that usually how it works? Well, I don't know about five or first few years. Was it five or a few years, did you say? Uh, first few years. That seems a little sudden of, of saying that much of a maybe drop or so, but I think that people's, we'll call it fun spending, does go down o- over time just from a mobility standpoint and you know going from to go-go years to no-go years, as they'll say it as you get closer to your 80s. But then on the other side of it, you have things like healthcare costs that will go up and, and more visits to the doctors and things like that that can also help elevate uh, the overall cost of, of your retirement. So that's something that you might want to be thinking about that while some of the fun factor goes down, some of the other not so fun factor, you know, increase in cost. So I would think about that. But I also would probably assume if you're going to put together a, a spending plan that you are going to kind of increase your spending over the 20 or 30 year retirement that your plan that you're putting together because what happens if you don't change your your spending pattern and now all of a sudden you had this plan based off of you spending less and that and that's probably the last thing that you want to do so you can make the plan look like it keeps ratcheting up o- over time a little bit with an inflation rate of like two to three percent. But then if you decide to spend less, you're just going to have more surplus at the end of the day. And you can always update your plan to, to figure out what to do with that at the end of the day. Gotcha. Thanks for that question, Shelby. If you ever have a question, you can send it in to us, cardinalwg.com. Uh, one more we want to get to, and this is makes a lot of sense that this question would come in because, well, we're getting close to November and we just had our first uh, debate, presidential debate. Uh, whether or not you watched that, you probably heard about it. But Rose writes in and she says, I'm sure you get this question quite a bit right now, Anthony, but should I be investing differently since we have a national election approaching? Well, I think that you shouldn't really change your investment strategy just based off of a geopolitical expectation. You don't really know what's going to happen we don't know exactly who's going to win. I'd say it's a coin flip at best at this at this point. And so what I would say is, you know, again, focus on, on your plan in terms of what you want your money to do for you. 
and your advisor and, and bring it up, you know, that it might be a concern to you and what you could really do about it. Does it make sense to put some money on the sidelines or get more conservative? But I, I would say, generally speaking, that if you need money tomorrow, you already have kind of that money set aside on the sidelines that's not going to be affected by the market and, and you kind of have that money that you need. Otherwise, if the money's kind of more for longer term, you should be able to navigate the turbulence that might come about from a uh, an election that maybe makes the markets go down a little bit. And that happened when Trump was elected. The markets, I think, for the following week or so came down quite a bit. I, I think it's just because it wasn't expected for him to win. And then they recovered and really, you know, ratcheted up over the next three years or so. So it's much more complicated and complex of a, of a market than just to make one presidential election change everything. We have courts, we have Senate, the House, and, you know, Apple's going to keep creating products that people buy and, and Toyota's going to keep creating cars that people, you know, want to buy. And, and that's what makes the market over time go up more so than one one president uh, getting elected. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and I think that goes for a lot of stuff. You just want to build a plan. That's why you build a plan, right, Anthony? So you don't have to worry about these kind of current event type stuff. You're kind of look at, keeping that long-term perspective on everything you do. That's right. Yep. Well, thanks for the question, Rose and Shelby. We appreciate it. You can send it in to us again. CardinalWG.com is the website. You can find a, a button to connect there. And while you're there also, there is a uh, tax-free retirement toolkit right there on the front page that you can request and have it sent to you. How to defuse the 401k IRA tax time bomb so you can experience a tax-free retirement. A big help. And it's right there on Anthony's website. And you can go ahead and request that now uh, right after the show's over. And while you're there, check out all of our past episodes are archived online as well. And uh, we'll have a new one in a couple of weeks. But Anthony, appreciate the time today enjoyed going through the house it's an important asset and i think we've uh, we discussed some great things today yeah it was great ben thanks a lot information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax investment or legal advice always consult with a qualified investment legal or tax professional before taking any action